Hello everyone, this is Mirko Guerrini and I welcome you to the Jazz Transcription Clinic, a monthly interviews podcast where we talk with accomplished jazz doctors about their lives, career and their personal secrets on the art of transcribing. If you want to improve at jazz, stay tuned and follow the Jazz Transcription Clinic on the socials for more content. I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is being recorded. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present, and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be here today. Hello everyone, this is Mirko Guerrini with another episode of the Jazz Transcription Clinic podcast live. This is the first episode of 2022 and I'm pleased to present you with a wonderful solo played on an Irving Berlin tune called Remember. Um, I became familiar with this tune actually with a version played by Joshua Redman. It's in a, uh, I think, in a live at Village Vanguard album, one of his, like, his third or fourth album that he published under his name. And uh, But I decided to transcribe this solo by Hank Mobley for various reasons that I hope to be able to um, show you. Uh, it's coming from a wonderful album that Hank Mobley recorded for Blue Note label called uh, Soul Station and he was in a great company with uh, Winton Kelly playing piano, Paul Chambers playing double bass and Art Blakey plays drums. You can hear even in this track a couple of famous Art Blakey's uh, role on, on the snare drum. So this solo uh, is played magnificently by Hank Mobley and there are so many great ideas that I will show you and I will talk to you during the, uh, the recording of, of this show. So let's start and I think I want to start with playing it. Playing it from top to... Uh, to the end, hopefully. I haven't practiced too much as I just finished transcribed yesterday, so hopefully I can do uh, some good things here. Let's go. Thank you. 
bad, not bad. I had just a a bit of a trouble here. I think was here in this line. Uh, maybe it's a little bit too big on the bars. Uh, too big, but uh, don't you think it's a wonderful soul? This one, and there is so much to learn. So I I took few few notes. Let's see if we can go through um, these ideas together. So first thing, of course, I have tried to be as accurate as I could be on this platform, which is SoundSlice, for whoever is curious about what software I'm using. is actually a web platform that you can reach at soundslice.com. And uh, so, he plays the melody. This tune is a common IIBA with 32 bars uh, tune. And it's in B flat major for us, so it's concert A flat major. And it has a very funny uh, chord progression in the A sections. You start on the fourth, and it goes fourth, and then this is like the three flat 3, 2, minor 2, 5, 1. And then it does a 2, 5 into the 4 again to start on the second A. So it's one of those tunes that doesn't start on the 1 chord. It starts on the 4. Another famous one that I, I can mention that just comes up to my mind is After You've Gone, which starts on the 4th. Um, okay. So the melody is pretty simple, is pretty diatonic. Uh, there is only this nice, nice uh, altered note. It's the flat nine on the dominant chord. And Hank Mobley is playing pretty much the melody. And then in the bridge he goes uh, to E flat major again, but stays for three bars this time. And then does a minor third um, substitution. So instead of C minor F7 in this bar here, uh, to go back to B flat major, Irving Berlin or whoever arranged this song put just E flat minor 7 and A flat 7 sharp 11, which is the common. Uh, substitution for the 2-5 called minor third because you transpose the 2-5 and minor third up. So instead of C you go to E flat minor, instead of F you go to A flat 7. A million of jazz songs have this uh, minor third substitution. There will never be another U or Stella by Starlight, you know, and you, you can make it. It's full of them. Um, so let, let's discuss a little bit about one trick, one first trick that Hank Mobley does always on the, that D, the middle D, which I put a cross on top, because he doesn't play, he doesn't play that D with the normal D fingering with the two hands. Hmm? But if you pay attention, you can hear that the sound is a bit nasal. And then, right? So 
it's very likely that he will use the side key. Can you spot the difference? All fingers, side key. And this was a very common practice back then. Um, so I try to like point out when he uses that side D. Hmm? And then you can try. Now, ghost notes. That's another interesting point. the side D here and the ghost notes. There is plenty of ghost notes. Some of them are very good. Like this one. It's almost But you can hear the ghost, right? transcribe a solo. Get all those nuances, all those scoops hmm, are very important. Right? Oh, that, that's actually probably coming from C. Before the C. Huh. It's almost, I mean, it's debatable, but you, you choose the way that can get you closer to it. Hmm? Uh, like this one. Wow. Just lips. <coughs> wow. Wow. Bab wow. Can 
you hear the difference between this D, this D, this D, and the last D here? Listen. There is a glissando here. Maybe I will add it. But it's so clear that he plays. But the last D is with the side key. Can you hear how nasal? It's this sound. It's not. It's not this. It's that one. Hmm? All right, and then yeah, the last A again, ghost notes, scoop, and side D. <clears throat> now um, he plays this wonderful break here. Right? And what scale is this one? You know it, right? What is a Mixolydian scale with two sevens? It's called bebop, bebop scale. And it's very typical, especially the sending that you put both the sevens. It's a, it's a sort of way to, to square a scale. A scale has seven notes, and if you play just the seven notes, you land on the tonic, which is the important note, on the eighth note. And you miss one note. And you miss one note, so you need an extra note. And by putting the, the two sevens, you also create a very dominant tension. Mm, to resolve. Right? So that's one use of the bebop scale. And of course, Hank Mobley is a master of it. And why he's playing uh, the dominant scale, the bebop scale there? Because we are starting with the first chorus on the first A on the E flat major chord and remember if you listen to the harmony uh, let's take like this part here right you can hear the two five into E flat you can hear the F minor B flat seven E flat major so this is what most likely Hank Mobley is thinking even though he's playing a break, but he's playing B flat major and then F minor, B flat. And resolving beautifully on the G. And starts the first solo with that nice. So this is a thing that we can notice, one of the first things in the solo that uh, is very important to notice. Hank Mobley is not scared of repeating himself. So many times my students say, oh, but I have already applied that idea. 
then so what? They don't expire, you know, idea. And repetition is good, because by repetition you are making your statements more solid, you are taking and you are talking to the other musicians that are playing with you in a clearer way, so they can understand what you are up to, and uh, also the audience will enjoy because they they can understand this that you play line and then you play basically the same idea a semitone below. Now here he would have done probably right, uh, but he didn't do it. He just broke the pattern, but the shape of the line is very similar. You know, and ends up on C dominant with the same two notes. Now, this is the first thing that we can uh, point out. So first A does that. Let's let's go and check. All right, guys. A is two. Right? So for a second time he uses a sort of pattern or we can call a progression. So he just underlines the progression, the chord progression which is descending chromatically. Let's go to the last A of the first chorus which is here. Right? And you can hear that is pretty much the progression. And this is what makes the bebop players really great and in general all the jazz players that they can take a very simple idea and make it sound like I'm not repeating it. Well, in the first two bars of the A3, it's clearly the same, but then this is slightly different, and it's different enough that when you listen at full speed in a solo, you don't notice, but this bar here is basically coming from this idea here. Ba -ba -da -da -da. If you, if you see the last three notes, it's 3, 2, 1. And the last three notes is 3, 2, 1. Right? And <coughs> even here, he's doing 3, 2, 1. So 3, 2, 1. But actually here, he uses the power of the enclosures. Now, I will make a video based on the enclosures, but basically the enclosures are a very, very powerful technique used by boppers and hard boppers to circumnavigate a note or to delay the resolution note by turning around the resolution note, which is called target note, in this case is C, because he wants to resolve on C, and before C he plays a semitone up and a semitone down. It would have been a little bit less interesting without 
the enclosure, right? That doesn't sound too jazzy, but it's much, much better. So we were talking about the progression. Let's look at A1 of the second chorus. Two different ideas, but the procedure is the same. I repeat the first idea and the second bar, I throw in a new idea and I repeat it as semitone below. Also, those two bars, guys. I hear so much of Dexter Gordon here. Don't you agree? There is so much of Dexter. Even because he, he drags a little bit on the time, so it's it reminds me a lot. And of course, you know, Coltrane, you can hear it, but uh, more Dexter in these two bars. Let's hunt for progressions. A2 of the second chorus here. Listen. All the four bars are there, right? And then a beautiful line on a two five one. Right? And I will talk later about this line. Let's hunt. Okay, now A3. Here he doesn't play the progression because he's developing his ideas and you can even see how he intensifies his playing. This is the bridge of the second chorus and the last A of the second chorus which <coughs> throws it, him into the third chorus and only in the second A of the third chorus he slows down and prepares the exit. Hmm? And the last A is this one. I should put the mark A3. Right? So, guys, the message from Mr. Mobley is. Don't be scared of repeating ideas, right? And if you have a simple chord progression, just go with it. You have a chromatic descending four bars, play it then, play. Just use one motif, one little idea, and transpose them. You will get a lot out of it, right? Uh, so, bar 38 and 39, I have uh, 37 and 38. How beautiful is this line on 2-5-1 in B-flat major? Right? This tuba. Oh. Oh. I want to take those two bars and practice in over the cycle of fifths. Like right? 
over the cycle of fifths. And it's so good. What's happening here? It's normal arpeggio, C minor 9, right? Descending to the fifth, and this is critical because this fifth is being transposed a semitone down. So here, what is thinking? B dominant. B dominant 9, right? Triton substitution. Or it could be F sharp minus 7 B dominant, but let's say just that whatever he thinks, even B7 9 works. And I like this idea of using these three nodes for the resolution. So the D is the main focus on the C minus 7, the ninth, going down to the sharp fifth of the dominant, resolving on the ninth of B flat major. So you have And I was working recently on a wonderful solo of Mark Turner, and Mark Turner is using a lot that idea on a 251, uh, like stressing the ninth, going down a semitone, and resolving to the ninth. And <coughs> Hank Mobley does it another time, uh, another couple of times actually. I don't think I have. Uh, uh, let me see whether I can find the day by the here. Here he resolves on the B flat on the tonic, but so here is another idea for you guys. When we practice, we practice little motifs, and we need to practice. How can I play that motif in 10 different ways? So you use the same seed, the same idea, but actually it will sound different every time because you are able to change it just enough to make it unrecognizable when you listen to it. And that's great. That's fantastic. Um, and at the end, I think, yeah, at the end, This is a little bit different, the phrase, but you know, you can see that the idea D, D sharp, and then doesn't resolve on the on the C, and how beautiful is this ending phrase. Again, B7, B dominant, resolving onto F, which is the fifth. Hmm? Um, now, Bar 48 and 80, I've pointed out, oh yes, 48, here we have the famous 2-5 into E-flat major, hmm? this is going into the bridge. And he does, again, just different enough to not be recognized when you're here, but if it's on paper, it's easy to recognize. Here he extends the idea, 
but you can see, come on guys, you can see that the idea is pretty much the same. And then, right? Here he resolves on the G, and here he resolves on the B flat at the beginning of the bridge. Now, uh, but, oh, this is interesting. In the bridge, there is a progression which, you know, the, the famous minor third substitution that I explained to you, E flat minor 7 and I flat uh, 7 sharp 11. And on the melody, even on the melody, Hank Mobley plays. So for saxophone players, I use the side F sharp to play that little hmm, mordant. I use. I don't know if Hank Mobley is using that. You can do it even with a normal F sharp, but you know, I have it, the key, and you have it, so use it if you have it. Right? But let's focus on this line. Hmm? This one. Right? So if you want to know the theory, tonic and then supertonic, tonic, and then this is the ninth flat seven, six, five, resolving on the th uh, third of B flat major. Now, <clears throat> let's go to C bar 52, which is exactly the same point. E flat minus seven, I flat seven, sharp 11. Listen to this phrase. Ooh, it's quite similar. And what is more, the resolution idea is exactly the same, but it's not exactly the same, because the D is anticipated. Here he was going you know, down and resolving on the first beat. Here is anticipated, but you can, you can tell pretty much that it's the same idea. Here the mordant, I think it's with A flat. Yeah. Right? And let's go to watch what happens in the second chorus, where that progression occurs. Ooh, again, different. He's coming from a very long phrase. He's coming from... But, you know, nothing stops him to play the same resolution. And how wonderful is that he plays three bars in E flat major, G natural, and as soon as E flat minor appears, G flat. What a master. And the last one. We still have another B to check, another bridge. Here it is. And again. So... Is Hank Mobley not able to play something different on those two chords? No. I think he just likes it. He practices that line and he likes the sound of it. 
And that's all you want when you play. You need to love what you play. You need to be interested. You need to be engaged in the things that you are playing. So maybe this line was appealing and mobly a lot. He plays every time there is those two chords in the entire melody and the entire solo, he plays exactly the same idea. So again, guys, don't be scared. Use a motif, use it well, and make the most out of it. Uh, now, uh, bar 90 and 91, I have pointed out that, uh, yeah, this is the I, so we have the uh, progression. Remember, this is the only instance where he doesn't play uh, a descending kind of progression with the, with the same pattern transposed. And I'm wondering whether, now this is probably forcing the hand a little bit too much, but I'm wondering whether here he's thinking A minor D7 and then A flat minor and D flat 7. So like, you know guys, that every time you have a, uh, a dominant chord, you can divide the bar in two and put a minor two for the first two beats and the dominant chord in beat three and four. You can do it every time without risking anything. Here, F dominant, you can put, you can think C minor seven and F dominant. You know, you can do it. Don't be scared of doing it. And here probably, just because I was like curious because this is pretty much an A minor arpeggio and this is a pattern that suggests that you think A minor and then the seventh descends and you end up on the third so a guide tone of D7 uh, and here you know, you have this one, which is pretty unusual to think on D flat seven. You think this is almost like C minor, but it could be A flat major, but then there is a C flat, so it could be. You know, let me check this now. Maybe it's C flat. Let me put it like very, very slow. Let me check. No, it's not a it's not a B natural. Yeah, yeah, it's a C. But anyway, I think it could it could easily be um, that he thinks A flat minor, D flat seven hmm? here. Uh, and how beautiful! Again, guys, this is the bebop scale with the enclosure. Resolving on C, we already encountered that, you remember? Uh, up here. Ba -da -da -de -da 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 -da. And this is the same, but with a more complete bebop scale. Right? And 
Um, I have also... Oh, this is interesting, the shape of this line. You know, so he gives those, drops those funny bombs. So again, the chords are going down, but this is funny. E flat major, first bar, the phrase is going up. Second bar, the phrase is going down on the arpeggio. And then an arpeggio going up, and then he is almost going down, but then changes his mind at the very end. But it, it creates a very nice sound, and it's a very simple thought. You know, I'm just playing around the scale and the arpeggio. <laughs> Right? And it's very, very, very nice. And uh, yeah, the beautiful ending. And this is one of the tunes that, you know, it doesn't end. So it ends on the 31st bar. And then because it starts on the 4 chord, it needs the 2 5. Remember to go to E flat. Uh, major. So he throws in a final line to just create a little bit more tension and release to launch the Winton Kelly solo. Oh, on a final note, the first note of the melody is G, as is the first two dots of the bridge, uh, G and B flat. First two notes of the melody is G and B flat. The bridge is a bit extended, so it's lower, the two notes. But let's check this thing. Uh, first chorus. There you go. You have a G as a first note. Second A, you have the B flat. Second note. Bridge, you have the G as a first note. Interesting. A3, G as the first note. Second chorus, B flat, which is the second note, right? Second A in the second chorus, first two notes are the notes of the melody. Bridge. B flat, A3, G, and look guys, he's coming from a long trace. Right? Into the third chorus. Can we say that the B flat is the note that is in his head? Yes. Right? Uh, second A. B flat is the second note. Uh, bridge. This is, come on guys, this is a blue scale going from E flat to B flat. So. The two notes that are really... I gain G and B flat. And then last A is the two notes of the melody. Again. 
So what does Hank Mobley thinks when he plays his solo? He thinks of the melody, right? And guys, SoundCloud and um, SoundSlice, sorry, SoundSlice is so beautiful. If you need to practice, you know, stuff and you want to improve and you want to memorize the solo, just loop a section, slow it down. into details you know and then you want to practice this one which is a beautiful line <laughs> line which is crazy I had to practice starting from slower so you can start I don't know I started at 70 Most likely you will have memorized the chords. What I like to do is this, to play the entire solo, but this time I just start with his lines, but I change and I add, let's say, a 20% of my own ideas. In that way, I can still practice the solo, but I'm starting to uh, not becoming, becoming trapped by the solo. I don't want to become a replica of Hank Mobley. I'm, I want to know his words, his language, his pronunciation. I want to understand the lingo that he's using. Hmm? So in order to do that, I start to detach slightly 
Now probably I should practice a little bit more this solo because I haven't internalized fully yet, but just to demonstrate for you guys, I will try one uh, run where I add 20% of my own ideas, okay? another couple of times uh, but this is how it goes and the more you do the more you can control the shape of the phrase you know sometimes I was changing just the beginning sometimes I was changing the ending of a phrase but I was trying to have fun and you know a solo like this took me a couple of days to transcribe it uh, and one day to practice but 
I would spend if I want really really to get um, the most out of it I would spend probably two three weeks on it and then try of course to play the song by myself and to try to make my own lines but there will always be a memory of this soul in me now so and you know there are some beautiful lines that as I said I would practice in 12 keys and maybe you know they will come out eventually in few months in my playing so guys this is the end I hope you enjoyed as much as I did working on this solo and uh, the solo will be available on my website all the links are there in the video and <coughs> Thanks for watching and see you next time. Bye.